Pace Line is a production of The Cycling Independent with support from our generous subscribers and from Shimano North America. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I am Patrick Brady, and with me is our special guest co-host, Celine Yeager. Hey, how are you? Been a minute or two. Uh, Or two, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's great to have you back. It's been too long. Uh, We should, or I should cop to the fact that uh, I screwed this up when we did this call uh, two weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) We had a great conversation. Uh, only half of it recorded. <laughs> you know, a little rust. <laughs> Just knock the rust off the bus. We're now driving down the street. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. So you have been busy. Yes, I have been busy. I have been busy. It's all been good. Um, we talked about last time, <laughs> the show that didn't record, that I was in Kona, which was very exciting because it was all women and we were on the ground. We being Feisty Media covering this all women's historic event, which was amazing. I did a... Um, so box. it's Go not, ahead. it was, no, it, well, just to, to clarify for the listeners, yeah, sure. this was the Iron Man. Yes. How many women were there? Uh, north of 2,000. I maybe just shy of 2,100. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. Awesome. Just awesome. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> yes. So that was amazing. And uh, just to give a few stats, uh, with all women there, it was the first year ever that all these swimmers made the cutoff time, which was really exciting. There was a 98% finishing rate, I believe. And Something like 16 women went under nine hours. So it was a spectacular day. (laughs) Yeah, when you give women their own day to shine, shine they do. So that was really great. Yeah, it's just those numbers are just so impressive and so encouraging. You know, it makes me kind of wish I'd been there to see it. But of course... It'd be better if I just stayed here. You guys, there were men, men were allowed on the island. There were men spectating. But it was, you know, one of the things that we noticed that was pretty cool is like watching all the men um, with strollers and babies hanging off of them and doing all of the things all day that you usually see a lot of the women folk doing, uh-huh. which uh-huh. is pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seeing uh, seeing the dudes being supportive. uh we could do with more of that. It was cool. It was a really, it was a very special day. And I was very uh, happy to be witness to it. And Mel McQuaid, um, special shout out. And that just really warmed my heart because, you know, as as maybe people do or do not know, I do the feisty menopause branch of that. And I have the Hit Play Not Pause podcast, which is all sort of geared towards women in the hormonal journey, you know, 40 plus. And she is the first not male, female, but anybody to qualify for Ironman World Championships at age 50 um, and compete, you know, on the ground at, you know, in the championships at age 50 in the pro, in the pro field, to be clear. So she had to podium in an Ironman and get there in the pro field. And she did indeed. And it was, that was really cool to watch. Just remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<clears throat> does she have a trust fund or something? Is she independently wealthy? No, how she's do, a, how she's does a she... coach. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So she's a coaching I, I just... business. So she coaches too on top of, you know, training, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which is no small feat, but she's been in it a long no. time. Mm-hmm. Wow. I raced just against her me. in Xterra's. She was mountain bike and, you know, in Xterra's decades, decades ago. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about been a minute. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, your book with your brother is coming uh, out. I guess we should say your brother's book. Yes. Of which you are the you're credited as co-writer. It's a whiff. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't I still after all these years don't exactly know the nuances of with and you know, mm-hmm. presented by, I don't know, like when they put you know, your bylines on the cover, but um, it is obviously my brother's life's work. He is a chief explosive scientist with the FBI. He has had a remarkable life um, going around the world and to bombing sites and figuring out what happened, who did it. And, you know, he's a lot of stories and they have been traditionally saved for the Thanksgiving table and, and we we now have we now have a book, The Bomb Doctor, and it is it is available. If I'm going to plug it right now, it's available on Amazon for presale. Comes out next year, so super exciting. It's been a long time coming. Working with the FBI might uh, be as difficult as one would think to get a book out while someone is still actively employed with the FBI. <laughs> my God, <laughs> it's been years, seven years. I don't even know. I like years off my life for sure. Mm. Mm. Uh, now there was a shorter version of this out, uh, um, and I'm completely blanking on, on the other script. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I read that. And one of the things that I found so interesting was, you know, it's one thing to be, uh, a, a chemist and, you know, excellent at explosives. It's an entirely different thing to land in a foreign country and realize, oh, I have to watch my step for this. I have to be aware of this. Uh, so many, shall we say, uh, uh, political and diplomatic considerations that he had it was like Chinese plate juggling. Yeah. Yeah. Plate that's spinning. It's a, a very good way to put it. And, you know, and not always having your own safety assured, you know, and that's, he's been, you know, been in a couple, only a couple, thankfully close calls, but it's, yeah, remarkable, remarkable. I, it, sometimes I'm just like, wow, that's my, that's my brother, you know I mean? Cause when you know somebody mm-hmm. like that, it's hard to put them in that context of like the being a diplomat, you know, like the government or something. I'm just like, yeah, you're, you're an important person, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I assume that some of what I read already will be a part yep. of the full book. Yes. So okay. those were so- those were excerpts of the full manuscript that was in my hand and which they had hoped to publish. But, well, there was this pandemic that drove up paper costs and all things went kind of sideways in all different industries, <laughs> publishing being one of them. And, you know, script was really wonderful. A, I don't know if you checked out the audiobook, but they had this incredible audiobook, this guy that read it. Eduardo, I can't remember his full name, was Ballerini. amazing. Oh, he was so good. He was I'm, so I'm good. I'm a fan. Oh, yeah. he was so good. Um, you know, they had him like read the driest lines to to audition for it. And I was like, my God, he's amazing. But um, 
Yeah. So they they were they were very invested in it and they were so kind and so wonderful. And when things went south and they weren't able to give us, you know, a full book as as they had hoped, they just let us go like no strings attached. Just, you know, take everything. You still own everything, even the stuff that we've published and go forth. So that's yeah, it's truly remarkable because normally once the lawyers get to something so remarkable. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, yeah. Very exciting. And it's it's great stylish writing. I, I can't tell where his sense of humor leaves off and yours kicks in. Uh, your Thanksgiving table must be a lot of fun. It is very uh, fun. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, I consider him sort of my straight man, you know, at the Thanksgiving table. But uh, we, we definitely... He is very dry, very funny. He is very, very funny. Yeah, it's a really lively read. Yeah. <clears throat> and what, I went through it because it's on the short side, unfortunately. I, I I read it once and then I listened to it twice more. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was already a fan of Eduardo Ballerini's from a book on uh, writing. Uh, uh, Chuck Palahniuk's Consider This. Oh, okay. just a great book on on craft. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he does such a great job. Oh, boy. I sort of want to believe that his voice is Chuck Palahniuk's. It's just it's read with so much feeling. And oh. uh, I still write a lot by myself and I listen to books. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, where were we going next? Oh, something I wanted to talk with you about. Hmm. <clears throat> Uh, because I've been in a mode for the last few months of trying to not lose weight, but change body composition. Mm-hmm. You're, I, I took your message on that to heart. Because um, <laughs> that was always a big bugbear of yours, of getting people to stop saying losing weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime back when we were recording, there was a study somebody did on... When you ate during the day relative to the time of your workout and just by shifting when you ate, uh, it would change the amount of fat that you burned in your rides. Um, I can't find it. And so I figured I'd ask you, do you remember that or what is your general advice that you love to tell people? Oh boy, there's so many, there's so much research on all of this. And I, I, I like to make it really, really simple for people. And so when you want to go into your ride or, you know, your training session or whatever you're going to do, you really want to go into it with energy on board. You want to go into it fueled because A, you're going to have a better workout, you know, which means if you are concerned about burning calories and burning energy above and beyond, like just feeling good and having good performance, you will do all of those things. And it, it, it doesn't put your body in the same stressed out state that your body will be in when you go into that fasted, which is like something that a lot of people like to do, you know, because it was in cycling, there's this almost like hollowed reputation of going out, bonk training, all the Uh things, you know, don't eat, put a gel in your pocket and ride three hours on a vision quest, all the kind of things, you know, and maybe okay when you're a 19 year old neo pro maybe but you know that you really that's really counterproductive for most people and especially once you reach any kind of like 
35 plus or any mental life situation, your body just, it just starts stacking up stress and it's just going to hold on to what, you know, when you do eat, it's, it's going to hold on to whatever you have. It's going to, it's being like, whatever you're doing, we need to hold on to stores. We need to hold on to fat stores. It's not going to be cooperative with you when you want to like change your body composition. So like eating around your around any exercise you do is really just the way to go. And that way you also don't end up at seven o'clock at night wishing you had two more arms to eat more because you're starving, you know, in front of the refrigerator, you know, which is what happens with a <laughs> lot. I've never done that. Yeah, yeah. They're just, you put it, it's, it, it just backfires time and time again. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just like, if you do nothing else, fuel your workouts, eat around your workouts. It's, it's very productive. I, I think I kind of backed into some of that recently after months and months and months of just kind of lackluster performance on the bike, not, not feeling especially aggressive, you know, just all the things with just kind of being blah ish. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, I just started having some really amazing days on the bike and it took a little while for me to put it together. I am slow. Um, and I realized that, <clears throat> For various reasons, I'd been eating lunch later in the day than mm. usual, like two o'clock. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're heading out for a ride at 4.15, 4.30, you're pretty recently fueled. Yeah. And if you, haven't, if you haven't eaten, you're, you're pretty empty. And those two experiences are going to be very different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sort of comical what I experienced. Uh because I just, I felt so much better on the bike. And it's like, oh yeah, it's not, uh, it's not five o'clock and I last ate at noon. Yeah. And sometimes it's really just giving your blood sugar a boost. You know, people underestimate the power of that, but there are, you know, look at all those, all that research around just doing a carbohydrate mouth swish. You know, there's that, all that crazy research because you, when your brain senses that there's like, oh there's carbohydrates coming, there's food coming. Like it, it just, you perform better because we're wired that way. So when you actually give it fuel, all the better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are, yeah, there are so many things in terms of the way your nervous system takes in input from your face, your nose, your mouth, mm -hmm. taste buds, all of that, what it sets you up for. I mean, I remember reading the book, Breathe, when we mm -hmm. were recording mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, doing some experiments with, I forget what the nose clippy thing was. Uh, and I found that, oh yeah, I can, I can ride uh, above my lactate threshold uh, breathing only through my nose. It is possible. Wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I could do it. You know, it was kind of remarkable, hmm. but yeah, there's so much that, <clears throat> you know, they keep finding that, you know, breathing through your nose tells your body to do different things. Right, right, right. Parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to sympathetic. People are very into the parasympathetic nervous system right now, too, with cold plunges and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly, I'm very behind the curve on all this. But uh, one of the things I have been taking real note of is my ability to bring my heart rate down if I'm breathing through my nose rather than my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, cool stuff. It's good practice. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor. 
um, Shimano, as a matter of fact, and uh, we will be right back. We are brought to you in part by Shimano North America and their new GRX 12-speed mechanical group set. Shimano is the originator of gravel-specific components, and the new GRX mechanical is the next step in their evolution. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new GRX lineup offers three unique 12-speed mechanical drivetrain options, along with unrivaled ergonomics without an over-the-top price. Available in two different one-by chainring options and one two-by chainring option, the new GRX 12-speed mechanical series delivers the freedom to choose how and where to ride. All right, we're back with The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels, and we have our special guest host this week, Celine Yeager. Um, Celine? Yes? It's Thanksgiving week. Mm. Let's talk what we're grateful for. Is it really shallow to say that I'm grateful for the new mountain bike? Though? <laughs> no. Okay. No, nope, not at because all. Because I rode not it today all. and I was like, I love this bike so much and I'm so happy I bought it. And I have to say, I think it's because all those years at bicycling, I, I didn't ever really... Well, I was racing, so I would ride ride whatever bikes that I was racing, you know, the team I was racing for. And those were, <laughs> were often amazing bikes, let's be clear. And then, <laughs> you know, when I when I left the teams and wasn't racing as much, I sort of got whatever bikes would come through and hang on to them and then turn them back in and ride stuff. And at some point I, you know, bought one that was that was pretty good and I I enjoyed it. But I hadn't really for many years, like written something that I wanted. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That I had ex- expressly chosen. Mm-hmm. And um, this Juliana Wilder sort of came into my, into my atmosphere. And I was like, I oh, really, that, that bike is, looks beautiful. And it looks like it would be fun to ride. And I, I went out and I tried it and it's, it was much more than I would have ever in the past spent on myself on a bike. And I, struggled with that i'm like oh i shouldn't be buying this bike i don't need this bike all the things people think about you know and <laughs> i was just and, and dave said my that my husband said will you ride more and i'm like 100 percent. like i haven't actually been mountain biking that much around here because it's just not quite as fun as my gravel bike here or my road bike here he's like well skip the bike and i can't stop riding it i i it makes me <laughs> so damn happy i love it now we should fill people in a little bit on what the Wilder is uh, from Juliana. Uh, it's their cross-country bike mm-hmm, for women. Mm-hmm. So I women-specific am, mm-hmm, geometry, mm-hmm. 120 up front, 100 rear, yep. if I recall yep. correctly. Yep. 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 <clears throat> it's peach-colored. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. The, the important things. Electronic shifting, <laughs> which people who know me know that I've always been a grouch about. Um <laughs> Because I don't want Maybe another not damn so much thing anymore. to plug. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it is. It is amazing. Um, damn, it's amazing. Like I could take yeah. it. I could take it or leave it still on my gravel bike or my road bike. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. but ooh, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back now with this mountain bike thing. It is amazing. It, it's it's interesting to me how uh, electronic shifting. It's it's impressive on a road bike. It's a neat neat thing. 
it's more noticeably impressible, impressive uh, on a gravel bike. But when you get to a mountain bike, the shifting is so instantaneous it's and amazing. noise-free. It's like, oh, this is how it ought to be. It is incredible. I can, yeah, I can still make an argument for cables on a road bike. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, I can yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I don't, n- neither of my uh, mountain bikes is set up with electronic shifting. If I could make a change, that's the one change I would make to mine. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, uh, well, okay, I, this will do kind of thing. And then I got on it <laughs> and I was just like, oh boy, that is, that is revelatory. It's amazing. And it's just like, it's a pure joy to ride. And I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm to extend the gratitude. I am grateful that I am able to buy it. I am grateful that, you know, in my mid fifties, I have um, a passion and a job and a pursuit that I am still excited about, which is, I feel like is a gift. And I'm glad that yeah, I have a totally. family that is so supportive of all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Uh, what I'm grateful for as well lately. <clears throat> and I've been working on uh, a, uh, a book proposal, nonfiction book proposal uh, that uh, spans how cycling took me from being a rather rabid anti-doping writer. Um, I wrote a lot about doping mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I started wondering why it was that uh, descending was so special to me. And I began looking into that and I ran across information about flow states, mm-hmm. started digging mm-hmm. into the neuroscience of flow states started learning, oh, this is how all the exogenous drugs that people take work on us. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly didn't understand what opiates did to our body. I mm-hmm. just knew that they could numb something. I didn't, I didn't know the mechanism. I didn't really understand receptors or anything. Biology was never really my bag. Uh, and the more I dug into it, the more it completely reframed my uh, entire past of uh, uh, moralistic, uh, my moralistic view of drugs. And, you know, I, I was able to start seeing that, um, you know, opiates, we're picking and choosing which ones are legal and illegal. When you get down at the molecular level, same thing with uh, uh, stimulants. Uh, Adderall, Ritalin, legal, meth, mm-hmm. not so much. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at these molecules and how barely different they are, uh, it's, well, for me, it reordered my universe. It really changed uh, how I saw all this stuff. And later, uh, you know, when I found out that I had ADD, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to consider medication in a different way than I had previously because I was so anti-drug. Like I wouldn't take an antidepressant. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, it's like if it's not an antibiotic or aspirin for a headache, I'm, I'm out. Um, and so it really, it really changed the way I view all of this stuff. So then when Michael Pollan's uh, mm-hmm. book, how to change your mind came out like 14 years ago, I would not have checked that book out. 
I would not have read that book. Hmm. Uh, I would not have swallowed it. Um, so I was, I was ripe for the message of that book, which is what led me uh, to address my depression, longstanding depression, with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Wow. Without the bike, without the bike, I would not have gone into treatment for depression. That's such an interesting chain of events. I have to ask if if your feelings on doping for performance enhancement is has changed. No. No. Hasn't uh, hasn't yeah. budged at all. Yeah, I don't blame uh, you. <laughs> I saw your yeah, recent well, the recent uh, column you did on <laughs> you know, and it kind of reminded me of I don't know if you ever read Peter Flax's most wonderful piece on that where he ranks dopers by like acceptability in the so you know in public like it's oh. it is so brilliant it's one of my favorite pieces and it was sort of the same thing that you were addressing there like for whatever reason like some people are just like we demonize them until like the end of time and others are like oh that guy's a good guy doesn't matter <laughs> just like and, and sometimes it seems you can make sense of it and sometimes it feels totally arbitrary very much, yeah. very much, you know, uh, and of course, for me, I'm thinking about what's the larger message here, you know, what is it they have to say, uh, but yeah, where sport is concerned, you know, the thing is, the audience wants a clean sport. They, you know, for whatever reason, that's something that the public has bought into, it no matter how thinly veiled it may be in some circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I argue and I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not playing devil's advocate either, but, but like, I do think that the same arbitrary lines get drawn in there too, you know, where we decide like, this is a, this is an okay performance enhancer and this isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Oh no, exactly. Yeah. You get down to the molecular level yeah. and it's like, well, this, I mean, ultimately, you know, the downstream effects are the same. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting stuff, but yes. So my, my attitude, uh, toward how we should, uh, tackle, uh, all the controlled substances, how we mm -hmm. should address addiction, all of that went through a major, major overhaul. Mm. Um, along the way I found out that THC is really pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. You know, and and honestly, um, I mean, when you look at the, it's mind boggling what humans have done over the course of time to alter their state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Whether it be like licking frogs or you know roasting banana peel, like whatever, like it's amazing. They'll go to the end of the earths to alter yeah. this. I mean, it seems to be along with hunger and sleep and set like all the other basic primitive needs i i feel like that's just another one like that's just another basic human drive somewhere yeah yeah well you know when you look at it from the standpoint of you're freeing yourself from yourself for a mm -hmm. period of time mm -hmm. i frequently talk about k-holes as a reboot mm -hmm. it's time to reboot mm -hmm. you know I've seen that. The, the, uh and that's um I come back refreshed. I come back uh, more present. I come back, you know, centered at peace. Um, I'm excited to see my boys. I'm not like, oh, God, I need to get them in bed. <laughs> Do you still have, you know, like that was 
those were some of the um, later episodes that we did together. Mm-hmm. And I was there for after your first one where, you know, you were like a stone mountain spewing into the universe. Like, are they still that trippy for lack of a better word, like profound? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, late this past summer, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was late this summer. I, I went in for an IV infusion uh, as opposed to an intramuscular injection or the lozenges that I do on my own. And along the way, uh, I died. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, my, the, my physical being reached the end of its good run. And uh, my consciousness was in my body. I'm like, well, I guess we're going to head out for the next thing now. Okay. Uh, I, I was at peace with it. Um, I wasn't at all sure what was going to happen next, but yeah, I've had a number of very, very interesting things happen. Usually there's something a little weird, you know, like extra special weird every time. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I mean, like this podcast could go sailing off into so many territories, but I'm going to try to like, I'll ask like one more big question and then I don't know where it goes. But like Larry Hagman sort of famously said that psychedelics made him unafraid of death. And now that you say that, I'm wondering if that had this, if if you're left with that residual benefit. I'm not there yet. No, I am not there. Uh, I am. I am acutely aware of my mortality and there's a whole lot that I want to get done. Right. You have this unfinished business that you want to. Yeah. And, you know, and I've got young boys. Right. Um, Yes. (laughs) The children. I want to be here a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, On both sides of my family, there's serious longevity. Mm -hmm. So if I take care of myself, which is not something any of my forebears did. I guess I didn't mean like, you know, just like ready to walk out the door on this universe. But I mean, most people have like a maybe not unhealthy fear of death in this or maybe not healthy just because we're so um, we don't deal with it in this culture. And it's very death phobic and very aging phobic and all this stuff Mm -hmm. that I always I always feel like if we had a healthier attitude about it, like we wouldn't all be just like so afraid of it, you know? So that's attractive to me. I guess that's where I'm going with that and where that came from. Yeah. 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 Um, I I want to live a long time too on this planet, (laughs) you know, but I also don't want to be afraid (laughs) when the end comes. Um, so one of the things that gets talked about with psilocybin is very often you will, uh, well, not very often in a sufficiently large dose, what they term heroic dose, dose, Mm -hmm. Uh, you may merge with the universe. I've never had a dose that big. Uh, And that's not something you would want to do with ketamine. Ketamine works in a very different Mm. way. Um, So when I died with ketamine, it was not like merging with the universe, like with mushrooms. Uh, It was a different sort of thing. And so what often happens for people, uh, late stage cancer, that sort of thing, um, they will do counseling coupled with psychedelics. Oh, interesting. uh, Yeah. There's at least a chapter or two in Pollen's book um, about, you know, people at, you know, end stage cancer, that sort of thing. Um, And them being counseled with psychedelics and Hmm. they're, you know, they embrace uh, their coming demise. That's Uh, interesting. They're just at utterly 
absolutely at peace with it. Um, and those are some pretty remarkable people to be in a room with from what I hear. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I keep up with that work, but bikes got me there. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so. <laughs> bikes are good yeah. things. It's good to be grateful for bikes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've been talking to my son about doing Nika this next year. Mm. Last year was kind of a failed ish experiment. Um, he, he doesn't like getting up early. Mm. Uh, and getting him motivated to get out and on the bike in colder weather proved to be a, a, a bridge kind of too far. Uh, but I've been talking with him. We've been having conversations and, uh, I've been doing a little deal making with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that he and I have a dialogue going. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. So does he like to ride otherwise? You know, it's the funny thing when I can get him on the bike, Mm -hmm. the kid kicks butt. Hmm. He's got crazy natural skill and he's just kind of a natural athlete there there was a ride we did on my birthday last year um and we were coming down one of the rougher trails in anadol state park and you know he didn't know the best line to be taking through this rock garden and he ends up taking a, a line down the middle where there's a, an 18 inch drop off. He, you know, he's 14. He doesn't have a dropper post yet. <laughs> um, his fork has a coil steel spring in it. It's not an air spring fork. He high posted off that just straight off it. No fear, you know, wrote it so well, uh, made it look natural. <laughs> and I, you know, at the end of that ride, I was like, holy cow. And he was, he was loving it. Um, and so it's that classic thing of if I can get him out there. Yeah. Um, and I think once he starts to make a couple of friends, uh, yep. you know, make real friends, yep. that'll start to make a difference. Yeah. So a, a very guy I trained with for many years has, uh, that was the story with his son. Like he would get him out, the, he would have a really good time. And then he would just keep having like, he'd have to really pers- like push him out the door kind of thing to come with him. But now he has a buddy that rides. So the two of them go ride, they go ride by themselves, you know, without, without my friend, mm-hmm. Mike. So that's, that's very cool. But it, it did. Yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. I, uh, the, the crowbar every single time is a, a challenge for me. Totally. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not somebody who really likes, to manage people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not about control. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd much rather just inspire him. But uh, being out the door before nine o'clock so that we can be at the start of the ride at nine. And it's a 15, 20 minute ride to get there rather than driving into the park. Uh, crowbar every single time. Yeah, I get that. So, uh but we're going to work on, uh, we're negotiating a deal. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Best of luck with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need it. Yeah. And yours is finishing college, right? Yep. Senior this year. She is a senior. 
Time flies. <laughs> I mean, everyone well, says it, but man, it's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember discussing, you know, AP classes in, in high school with mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, this time thing does not stop. No, keep trying. I keep trying to find the switch, but it just keeps <laughs> it keeps marching on. But it's, you know, it's all cool. It's all it's all, it's, it's uh I like all the the end of the all the evolutions of her have been like just enjoyable to watch. That's great. Yeah. That's really cool. I I'm enjoying this an awful lot. I just told him the other day, you know, it's having conversations with you now is so much fun. Yeah. That's the best part when they get older. It's just like having these real conversations. Yeah. Uh, Seven, eight years ago, he struggled to get a whole sentence out. He was just so kinetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was difficult for him to get like one simple sentence out without interrupting it along the way. And now big difference. Yeah. Good stuff. So back to you and feisty. Yes. Uh, You've got one book out with Stacy Sims, uh, or two, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One regarding menopause. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, Next level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what else are you up to aside from the podcast? Uh, we have, speaking of those books, there's the updated version of Roar, which was Stacey and I's first book that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is coming out in January now, which is right around the cover. Um, it That original book came out in 2016, so it was high time, you know, to, to give it a freshen up. <laughs> they didn't even have like whoop straps or aura rings when that came out, you know, that kind of thing. So there's like a lot that was... the needed to be updated in that. So that that was a lot of work and is exciting. And I also do a lot of written work with them. You know, I do a newsletter every week. I do a blog. We do courses. You know, there's uh, like a strength training course. There will be also a menopause course. So they, they keep me plenty busy. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I figured... Yeah, from the sound of it, when you were first about to get started, it sounded like it was going to be more than just you doing a podcast. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's quite a bit. It's quite a bit of work, but it's all, it's all really great, and it's a very dynamic co- company. So, you know, we do things like go to Kona, you know, and create content for the for this women's race, and I get a chance to. You know, I got a chance to do live podcasts at Kona, which was very exciting. And, <laughs> you know, I get to speak at the Endurance Exchange, you know, which is the you know, the triathlon event. And, you know, it's uh, it's really satisfying work. And then people are very hungry for the information. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I, I really enjoy turning people on to hit play, not pause. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I mean, I meet so many women who you know, they're struggling with it. Uh, and so it's like, well, I know, I know a source that might help. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, a lot of it is just knowing that you're not in it alone. You know, I, that's, that's such a huge piece of that is just hearing other people going through the same things and knowing you're not alone and hearing like what did and did not work for them. It's just, it, it's half the battle, quite honestly. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I remember being a kid and my mom hitting menopause and she came home from a visit to her doctor uh, who had told her that she was not having hot flashes. Hot flashes are not a thing. Oh, my Lord. 
<laughs> and, you know, Celine, I, I've known my mom a long time. I, that was top three maddest I've ever seen her in my life. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's frankly, the the dismissiveness and the, the dismissiveness continues uh, in the medical system. Sure. It, you know, it, it's not quite as profound as that often now but it's still like women are still largely um written off i mean especially that's why you know there's this whole initiative now to like let's actually maybe study women because i i had on a cardiologist and she's like well the only thing women do better in you know after they have a heart attack or any event is die you know she's like that they are so much less likely to get an ambulance, less likely to get care, less likely to get surgery, less likely, like all these things. She's like, but die, they, they die much more likely when, you know, and it's because of this, this just, this, they haven't been studied and women, I mean, it's, it's almost cliche at this point, but it's so true. Women are not small women. We have a whole different hormonal system mm-hmm. that, that affects every cell of our bodies. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, good for you for helping so many people. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's really awesome. I'm happy for you. I appreciate yeah. that. But I do miss you. No, no, I know. It's, it's nice to be, I, you know, I do. I run into people at bike events still and they're like, hey, you know, kind of miss hearing you on the pace line. I'm like, oh, you know, I should I should get back on and say hi. And I, I think about it and I don't get to talk bikes quite as much. I do some stuff with Girls Gone Gravel. They have gravel camps, which are mm-hmm. really fun. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to be able to like just sit and ramble on about bikes yeah well we'll have you back some other time and uh that would be fun we'll make we'll make the conversation more specifically about bikes (laughs) and let's just catch up between two friends (laughs) you know that's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's a good time yeah yeah Yeah. now you got me wanting to go look up uh, the peter flax feature again it's so Uh, good it's It's so good been ages since i've seen it yeah uh yeah, yeah. I, I revisit it once in a while when I when I tell people about it, just because like he he weaves in because you know who's number one, right? You know who the number <laughs> one villain is, but all every time he references him, it's like Darth Vader or you know Kylo Ren or Voldemort. You know, he just keeps like dropping <laughs> yeah. all these. Just, it's just hilarious. And I don't know if yeah. you saw. There's um Jan Ulrich has that documentary coming out. Um, I can't remember the title of it. It's in German. Where he like just spills the beans on all of his like everything just comes clean oh i knew that there was a a documentary in the works but i didn't know anything about it at all yeah it's out soon i just saw it one of the cycling publications that is still standing uh put something out about it Mm -hmm. i you know i never i will never ever forget reading uh wheelman uh by the the two new york times uh reporters and Along the way, it's a tiny little line. They didn't really blow it up into anything, but they talked to Ulrich's trainer. And if memory serves, he rode 2002 and 2003 clean. Really? Yeah. Huh. He started doping again because he was tired of getting his butt kicked by Armstrong. So when I've written so many times, this is implicitly coercive. There you go. Uh, 100%. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, cool. Well, I'll make a point to, uh, include a link to Peter's piece in my show notes. Excellent. Yeah. 
Oh, Celine, thanks so much. Thank you. It's Happy been Thanksgiving. Fun. Happy Thanksgiving, yeah. everybody. It's been uh it's been nice to be back on and I hope everybody is well and gets a lot of riding in. All righty. That's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Uh, next week we will be back with our, uh, Christmas recommendations. Uh, all the stuff that you want to tell somebody to get you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, stop by the site sometime. Hopefully you'll uh, subscribe. We have three, five, and $10 options, as well as a tip jar for those who fear commitment. Your dollars go directly into this podcast and our other productions like Revolting uh, with John and Stevel Knievel. We do need your help to keep doing what we do. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.